Santiago Lo Amigos and welcome to episode 15 of The Old Man and the CV. Now, when we first started recording these, we wanted to have a mix of different streams. So stream one, for example, would be how to re-engineer your CV. How do you get in front of a good recruitment agency um, training? Then there's another stream which was all about mental health, diversity, inclusion. And what we also wanted to do was bring in a stream that was almost documentary style, whether it was travel or whether it's something historical. And today's episode is actually more in that line, but it crosses the bridge nicely um, between the fundamentals of finding a role in your 50s and a lifestyle. But it also talks a lot about many of the themes that we've talked about through this entire first series about sense of purpose, new challenges, reinvigorating your life, and many more. So it's a real pleasure for me today to welcome um, a renowned journalist to the podcast, um, Eleanor Mills. I just get to pretend to be a journalist for 10, 15 minutes a week. Obviously, when you have the chance to interview a real journalist, it's a bit daunting. But I must say, uh, it was a fantastic experience and I learned loads and Eleanor was like super helpful and, and kind. So this episode is slightly longer than normal because it's like a double episode compacted into one because we are crossing and bridging the gap between a couple of those streams. So apologies. It could have been even longer, but I actually cut out a load of my waffly questions to try and reduce it. So you probably got time not just for a cup of tea, but possibly a cup of tea and a slice of cake too. So here we go. This is episode 15. Well, we're delighted to be joined by Eleanor Mills for this episode. Eleanor is the former editorial director of the Sunday Times, columnist, award-winning magazine editor, the winner of multiple journalism awards and former chair of women in journalism. As founder of Noon.org, a new platform for women in midlife, she calls them queenagers. She's passionate about changing the narrative society tells about the later stages of female lives to one more fit for purpose. So, Eleanor, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm sure many of our listeners will recognise your name and know who you are, but can you just tell our listeners a few key highlights of your career, just to give them some background? Uh, well, I was at the Sunday Times for about 23 years. Um, I've interviewed everybody from David Cameron to Mikhail Gorbachev to Sheryl Sandberg to Theresa May. Um, I wrote a column for about 10 years. Um, I was, you know, general kind of newspaper boss. I'm, I'm a hack, as we were just chatting about having ink in my veins. And then I left the Sunday Times about three years ago, and I became an entrepreneur at 50 and set up my own media company. I'm all about telling an optimistic story about women in midlife. And I talk about queen ages because I think that, well, I know from our research that we are a pioneering generation. There have never been women like us in midlife before um it's there in the census in 2019 women over 40 started earning more money than women under 40 for the first time ever um and, and we're the first lot of women who've really worked all the way through kind of as a generation and we are not going into that good night quietly we're not going to be invisible we're not going to shut up 
Thank you for that. That's brilliant. So Queen Ages, it's a brilliant name. You talked about why, but it, it sounds you have a missionary zeal about this for all those things you talked about. To tell me a little bit what set you off on this mission? Well, when I left the Sunday Times, I had a, that real sense of almost kind of having died you know it was a, I kept I kept kind of reading like my obituary over and over again people emailing, emailing me and I I know I could see around me other women hitting that kind of stage of crikey who am I what am I doing next for various reasons for me it was because um, a new editor came in and everybody was made redundant as happens in newspapers from time to time um, and I had to start again and, but I've seen other women for whom it's divorce or it's bereavement or empty nest if their kids go off to university or some kind of illness. Or And what I realised, we did a big piece of research into women um, 45 to 65, and we discovered that actually over half of women of 50 have been through five massive life events and that that's really very normal. So that there are a whole cohort of us who are kind of starting again and reinventing kind of in our 50s. And the point about Queen Ages is that we are the first generation to kind of hit this point with considerable resources of our own and with more agency, I think, than women before. Um, and the, the, quite the whole word queenager came out of the research that we did uh, at noon with Accenture, where one of the women said to me, um, well, I'm, I'm in my 50s, but I feel like a teenager, but in my own house with nice sheets and kind of posh tea. Um, and I spent quite a lot of time in Jamaica where they talk about women as queens. And so the kind of two just came to, together, I suppose, you know, so when you're an editor, you're used to coining phrases or kind of headlines and things. So I just thought Queen Age was like an instant rebrand of this moment. Um, and I think it really sums up that sense of coming into your prime um, in midlife, you know, at everything kind of beginning again at 50. And the other thing that really came up in our research is this sense that of women um, going back to the dreams that they'd had when they were younger or really kind of becoming the women they were always supposed to be at this point. And it's very important for me to change the narrative to something more optimistic about this time in life, because the narrative in the society generally is that women are done when they're no longer kind of you know, hot or fecund. And uh, as a feminist, I reject that characterization of women's value. Um, and everything I'm doing is trying to show that that's really not the case. Do you think you've caught a zeitgeist here? Because this is oh. this is the first time you're quite right, and I hadn't looked at it like that. Where this fifty plus generation of women are the first women to go through life as as independent thinkers yeah. and, women and workers, etc. So it is a, it is a something very special that's happening now, isn't it? Yeah, I think it I think it is genuinely new and you really see that in the demographics. And I felt rather cross that women like me weren't being recognised, we weren't being written about in the mainstream, that I didn't really feel that there was anything that spoke to us. If you think about the kind of traditional publications that target women of about 50, they're called things like Good Housekeeping or Woman in the Home. I mean, that's never been me or the women that I know. I've always been the main breadwinner in my family and lots of the other women I know have been too. In fact, half of Queen Ages are the main breadwinner in their families. So this idea that we were all kind of, you know, at home kind of, you know, doing our houses just seemed to me completely wrong. And so as an editor for the last 30 years, what I've been always been trying to do is to kind of catch, kind of catch on whatever was coming next. And the point about being a journalist is that you see things coming before other people do and you call it. Um, and, you know, I've done that rather successfully for the media company that I was part of for a long time. And I decided that this idea I was going to do for me. Um, and I really feel passionate about it. And it's really connecting with 
um, a lot of other women. And it's been a real, been a real kind of pleasure and a real, really exciting journey to create something new of my own at this point. Um, and I couldn't have done it without lots of support from lots of amazing women, many of whom had written for me along the way. And I had a great network, which I think really helps. But I do think that we're, we're on to something. And so many women come to me. And I think what you see is a kind of pinch point at around 50 where a lot of things collide. If we're being polite, we call it the midlife maelstrom. If I'm being rude, I call it the midlife cluster, something very rude. Um, and what what happens there is these things kind of um, collide, but then women come through it. And then there's this amazing kind of sunny uplands on the other side of kind of menopause, all those pinch points of midlife, which is really great and that nobody talks about in our in our culture. Um, where I really think that we can kind of do all those things that we wanted to do when we were younger. And as we live longer, you know, in the 100-year life, 50 is halfway through. So that was really why I called my platform Noon, because, again, that's a rebrand that we're in the middle of the day. Um, then, then this whole third quarter, this bit between 50 and 75, where if you're lucky, you're still pretty healthy. You know, if you've been working a long time, you've got some resources. If you've had kids, they're, you know slightly off your hands um actually interestingly about 25 percent of the women in my generation um have not had children and it's even higher than that for um the high the more highly educated ones so that's that's also a kind of really interesting cohort so there are so many stories about the lives of women at this point which are not being told in the mainstream and i think that that's why noon has really caught people's imaginations and then the other part of my business so i have this kind of platform which is a a kind of B2C thing where we're talking to consumers and I do a newsletter called The Queenager on Substack, which has been really successful. Um, I'm one of their Substack bestsellers. But then the other bit that I do is consultancy with brands off the insight that we've got, which shows that 63% of these university-educated Queenagers would be way more likely to buy from a brand that represented them. But half of the women feel invisible. Um, and there's just this kind of complete hole in the culture where where we should be being kind of recognised and we aren't. And it's a, brands are really missing a trick because women, queen, my, my queen ages, women in midlife outspend millennials 250%. Forbes magazine calls us super consumers. And I wanted to talk to you about connecting with brands because someone told me fairly recently that, you know, and you mentioned the 250% figure, mm. um, that 45 plus age account for something like 80 percent of spend yeah it's an incredible amount and yet only six percent of advertising is directed towards them six percent i mean yeah. agencies and advertisers and brands are missing a huge trick so that's really why i wanted to kind of dive down a little bit on your thoughts about connecting this very wealthy affluent um cohort to relevant brands because it must make sense mustn't it well you would have thought so but um as we know with the mainstream media i mean there were a lot of um older women who read the newspaper where i was editorial director you know and but it was still quite hard to get stories which were aimed as their, at them into the paper because the often senior men who were running things weren't very interested in 
um, hearing about them or reading about them or particularly looking at them. Um, there was definitely a culture within newspapers of uh, what, what they used to, we used to be called, oh, brighten up a page, brighten up the page, love, and that meant putting a picture of a pretty girl. I mean, you know, see it now if you look at the business section, endless pictures of like old grey-haired chaps and, you know, maybe a model on a catwalk, you know. So so there's a real, um, there's a real problem there, I think, particularly within the media and the media industry and advertising even worse um, of a real kind of gendered ageism and not wanting to look at uh, kind of older faces, older bodies. And you really see it about the kind of women who do appear um, in public life as they get older. They, you know, be like Amanda Holden or something who looks, you know, who looks 25. And the the what we see in our um, Queen Age of research is that the women want to be represented as they are. They want to see women like them in um in advertising uh, you know they love thing, people like melissa mccarthy or jennifer coolidge or those kind of or michelle yo or those kind of women who are or jamie lee curtis in that film where she actually looked like a kind of older woman so they want some authentic representation and i think that a brand that really does that will really reap the benefits because at the moment um the only thing anyone ever really tries to sell me are kind of tenor incontinence pants or um, life insurance, which is always kind of some, you know, a silver fox chap walking down the beach holding hands with his wife. And about 40% of the women that I represent are not in relationships. Uh, so that really, that, that annoys them. Um, and again, all their kind of grandmothers. And again, nearly, and nearly a third of these women are, are not mothers. So there's such a misrepresentation going on of these women. And the ones who really feel it the ones who are kind of who are professional and single i was interviewing the um a woman who's a partner in a law firm she said i'm 51 i don't have kids i am disposable income arama and yet no brand is trying to talk to me at all so that strikes me as crazy particularly when we're in a recession but it's perhaps not surprising that the worst offender for lack of senior women is the advertising and marketing world where less than two percent of employees and media agencies are women over 50 um, and the people who call the shots there are these um the kind of rock star that very much in inverted commons um kind of male creative directors who are creating adverts for other people like them and they would much rather look at a kind of younger woman than an older woman so that's also one of the things that i'm trying to draw attention to because I think in the same way that in my lifetime, we've seen a huge change in the story that we tell, say, around homosexuality or around race, that we can change the story around ageism and particularly about around gendered ageism, which is where ageism meets sexism um, in a way that changes that story, too. So I hope it will be look as retro um, in, say, 10 years time to not see representations of real kind of older women and men in advertising as it does now if to have an all white or uh, an all white advert or to have say a panel on tv which is all old white men which used to be the norm and is now really an aspect when you see one you go oh my god man or um and i'm hoping that that will come um and it's certainly it's certainly shifting um, and the kind of big noise about the menopause in the last few years, I think, has been the first roar of the Queen Ages. But what we see in our research is that 80% of the women do not want to be defined as walking hot flushes. You know, they don't want to be defined as menopausal. They want doctors to know what they're doing and to have health equity and to be able to get the drugs and for people to understand about menopause. I mean, until this year, it wasn't mandatory for GPs to have any training in menopause. I mean, there is a huge kind of health equity piece here but we don't want to be seen through that lens 
I was at um, Ad Week with Liz Earle the other day and I was uh, talking about how seeing all women of this age as menopausal would be like saying to a whole group of men of this age, you're welcome to the Viagra years. You know. People ask me about why I was doing this. And it's, I felt that ageism isn't talked about. I, I have the same passion that you do. Um, and I, I wanted to move it mainstream in the same way that mental health awareness and young male suicide and menopause are now mainstream conversations and it will take a while to get there. And that's why I kind of, I had this hashtag about um, build a beach because there's so many people talking about it and we can't change it on our own, but if we all just bring a handful of sand, we can build a beach. And if we build yeah, a beach, no. it will get noticed. Yeah, no, I think that that's really true. And the way that we change the conversation is by having different conversations about it. And what I think is really important about the work that I'm doing, talking about kind of coming into your prime at 50, is it's also really inspirational for younger women. I was speaking to a big conference yesterday and all these younger women came up to me and they were going, wow, that's made me feel so much better about kind of aging I mean it's horrific I was talking to a woman the other day who was saying that her 21 year old was having Botox because she was so worried about kind of getting wrinkles so what kind of culture are we are we living in where women feel that they have a kind of sell-by date um, that feels to me completely wrong and it feels to me that we value we value women kind of for the wrong thing so really what I'm trying to do is say this is a this is a kind of this is a nonsense. This is an old this is a really dinosaur way of looking at all that we are, particularly when we're going to live so much longer. And we need a new kind of conversation about the reality of um, particularly female lives at this point. And I'm interested in some of the stuff that the government's doing about getting the over 50s back to work. Thought Jeremy, the, you know, the Jeremy Hunt budget was quite interesting on that, whether they actually put any flesh on the bones. But um, there is now a conversation and there needs to be. Um, the reason the government are worried about it is because they're sitting on a pensions time bomb, because um, by 2025, over half of the workforce will be over 50. So we have to start getting um, kind of all over 50s back into the work, workforce. We're all going to have to work till I mean, I mean I'm accepting I'm probably going to have to work till I, you know, till I die. Even, and I'm one of the lucky ones. I had a good pension. I worked for a big company for 23 years. But even so, that's not enough to kind of keep you going. And most of my friends don't have anywhere near that kind of pension. So we're all going to be working till we drop. We're pension age now up to 67. So the idea that all these 50-somethings are stopping working, I mean, what are they going to do? And the women that I see are highly engaged, highly experienced, highly skilled, and they want to be kind of, you know, they, they need to earn money and they want to be doing something which engages their brain and kind of puts them back kind of into the workforce. And we all need that. We've got a huge skills and talent shortage. So it seems to me a no-brainer that, um, that companies should be looking at older workers but it's only beginning to come a friend of mine who's been talking about gender for the last 20 years and helping big corporates doing that says that this conversation about age is kind of where this one about gender was about 25 years ago that now everyone's talking about it but then there were just a few voices beginning to but we have to start that conversation so i think it's fascinating what you say about the aging population is that um there are in a region of 3.5 million workers not working or economically inactive past the age of 49. Okay. Mm. Now, if you even discount two thirds of those because they are being cared for or have retired or they are caring or they have other commitments, but only a third of those want to get back to work. 
if you take the average salary of that 1.25 million and just average, not professionals, you take away the negative financial impact of benefits and then add in the positive impact of tax contribution, that is worth 35 billion pound. Yeah, so, so it's a no-brainer. It's got to be done. Um, and I just think that we're at the beginning of this shift. And in a way, we're quite lucky because we're the first generation to have hit, you know, kind of 50, 60, 70. I was just leading a trek of women around Morocco, my queen ages. Uh, we did 75 kilometres in four days. The oldest woman who was with us was 69. She's still like, you know, fit as a fiddle, bright as a, bright as a button. Um, and... So, so all these, you know, all of us have got so much, so much to give. And because we're much healthier at this point than maybe our, our parents were or our parents' parents, there is a whole new kind of chunk of life between about 50 and 75, which has got to be reimagined. The old model of education, work for the same person, retire, just doesn't work anymore. And so there's this whole bit of life between 50 and 75 where we are going to keep working, but maybe we want to work in a different way. I mean, what I see in our new research is that the women are really um, driven by purpose and meaning and they want flexibility and they want to really kind of put everything they know to some use. They certainly don't want to be kind of micromanaged or kind of, you know, told how to suck eggs. Um, and I see a lot of women leaving corporate jobs because they're just sick of having to kind of play the game and they'd rather kind of work as a consultant or kind of, you know, do their own thing. And I also see huge numbers of my women who really want to retrain and they're looking at apprenticeships or going back to university and that kind of thing. So I think we need to all start thinking about that third quarter, that 50 to 75 piece as like a whole new, you know, like magic extra bit of our lives. But we also then have to think about, you know, what we're going to do with it and how we fund it and what that looks like. And I think that conversation is only just beginning. I think I could talk to you for hours and hopefully if we find time to dive down into some of these other subjects Eleanor, you could come back to the podcast in you know a couple of months time and do another episode sure. i could talk to you for hours um there's been some brilliant messages today but what would be sort of in summary the key message that you'd like our listeners to take away from from your podcast today well, I think that you're never too old, it's never too late. And at 50, you are beginning a new chapter. And that that's really kind of when you can kind of come into your prime and do all the things that you wanted to do when you were younger, that which life slightly got in the way of. Um, and I think that's particularly true for women. We see in the research that women um, have kind of put everybody else's needs ahead of ahead of their own particularly in that 25 to 50 kind of piece and so at 50 you really do have a chance to become the woman you always wanted to be that's what we say at noon uh, we talk about kind of so much more to come so I just really like to, to to hope that people feel inspired by that and that they don't give up and they realize that there's you know there's so much more out there for them and you can have this kind of wonderful kind of purple patch you know after the things that you you know you've already done and you bring all those skills and experiences with you and personally I've never felt kind of happier or more fulfilled or you know actually kind of fitter or just generally having a jolly time so I think you know hurrah for the queen age of years that's brilliant the sunny uplands await you yes absolutely Eleanor thank you so much indeed today for joining us on the old man in the cv I hope you've enjoyed it too um thank you very much indeed pleasure Well, I hope you've enjoyed this double episode of The Old Man and the CV. That was episode 15 with Eleanor Mills. 
Um, would be good to get your feedback, actually, on whether people prefer the longer episodes than the 10, 12 minute ones. And maybe that's something we will consider for a later series, uh, as well as some of the other ideas that we've had during the course of recording this series. Well, as our regular listeners know, all the information that you heard about in today's episode will be in the episode notes. So whether you want to learn more about Noon.org, Queen Ages, the book that is coming out in spring 2024, or the Substack newsletter, then please feel free to click into the episode notes and you will be able to reach out to Eleanor there. Thank you for listening, Santiago Amigos. See you next week. Just time for the credits for the music intro and the idents, Abigail, Eva, Molly, Wong. This is an almost pro production for 23 Magic, copyright 2023. See you next week, Santiago Amigos. <laughs>